0: We've got to get the country back on the right track with the most inspiring agenda. A voice in the desert. Now, here's Crystal Heath. Hey guys, happy Wednesday to you. We have church tonight at 7 o'clock at Liberty Baptist Church, 6501 West Lake Mead Boulevard. You do not want to miss it. This is The Frittle Show on Experienced Liberty Radio, KVXL 101.1 FM in Las Vegas. We're also streaming over at the405media.com. Our thanks to those guys. Might even add another online stream here soon. We'll see. I almost missed turning on my microphone this morning because I was in the middle of preparing an epic rant. And I do mean an epic rant. It's something that has been festering in my brain For literally months now. And I've been debating. Whether or not. To wade into this conversation. And I've been saying no. No no no. I'm not going there. Not going there. Not going there. And then I read an article this morning. And it. it, I can't not go there now. But it's not ready yet. Because because this has been so long in coming. It has. I have to think through. I have to think it through. So we are not ready for the epic rant. Just yet. Possibly tomorrow. Possibly next week. I'm not sure when it's coming, but it's coming soon. And yes, it does have something to do with the election. That's all I'm going to say about the upcoming epic rant. Rant. If you have questions, thoughts, concerns, comments, you can contact us at radio at experienceliberty.com or call 702-647-4522. So football is super close to being back tomorrow, September already. Can you believe that? September. Tomorrow. Tomorrow is September. Oh, and I want to mention this too. Tomorrow we're going to have John Stone Street. He uh, is with uh, the Colson... Center, he works with Summit Ministries. He does uh, the breakpoint commentaries that we air uh, here on KBXL from Focus on the Family. Really incredible, incredible uh, teacher, and one of my favorite, probably, teachers and uh, I think you're going to really enjoy having him and being able to hear him. That will be tomorrow, so you can catch that show tomorrow at uh, 7 a.m. or 6 p.m. here on KVXL. It's Pacific time for those of you in the outer worlds listening in whatever time zone you might happen to be. Our online stream is officially working again. Sorry about those difficulties we had last week and the beginning of this week. Um, Lightning... Lightning and our online stream do not get along. But I think, I think we may have discovered uh, a faster way to fix that in the future. So, no guarantees. We won't know until we have another incident. Which hopefully won't be for a long time. But I think we're good to go. Uh, But anyway, football. Close to being back. Broncos, my team. We open the season next Thursday night against the Carolina Panthers. That is the opener so basically one week away, football officially begins again. I, you know, I'm not going to lie. I'm a little worried about that game, to be quite honest with you. I mean, the Panthers are coming in with a chip on their shoulder from, you know, just really losing badly. And the Broncos winning bigly, to borrow some of my new favorite political words in the Super Bowl last year. And Trevor Simeon, he was trending hours upon hours. Because he has been named the starter for the Super Bowl champions. you never heard of Trevor Simeon? The, the, I'm sorry, the quarterback. Named starting quarterback for the Broncos. Unless you're a diehard Broncos fan, you probably haven't heard of Trevor Simeon. Or you know you watch ESPN a lot. Then you might have a general idea. But Trevor Simeon has been with the Broncos just over a year and a half. He learned under Peyton Manning. Prior to this season, he'd taken a grand total of one snap in a regular season NFL game. And that snap was to kneel the ball. He's a third stringer who rocketed to the top through a series of had-to-happen-this-way for him to start events, and I'm just, I'm really happy for the guy. Does it scare me to death that he's our starting quarterback? Yes. Do I think we're going to struggle a good deal on offense, and that our offense will probably be very boring with him? I surely do. But I'm happy for him, because Trevor Simeon stuck in there, he did his time, he sat on the bench, he learned from the best, and now he's given literally the opportunity of a lifetime. He's starting for the Super Bowl champions as Peyton Manning's successor. Now he could have said, you know what, third string, skip this, I'm never going to play, I might as well find a new career path, but he didn't. He stuck with it. He supported his team, and now he's the talk of the NFL, which I think is pretty cool inspirational, in fact. So that's why I wanted to mention that here to start the show. Wish him all the best, and not just because I'm a Broncos fan, but as a Broncos fan, uh, not going to lie, I really do want him to do well. Just not looking forward to the Carolina game right off the bat. Oy vey. All right. Let's talk about things. Let's talk about how thousands of bodies have now been found in mass graves in ISIS 70 or not in ISIS as a result of ISIS 72 mass graves this is from the sun satellite photos show the spot where more than 600 male prisoners were lined up and then gunned down in northern Iraq which by the way uh Secretary of State John Kerry he suggested I believe it was yesterday that the media just stopped talking about terrorism that the world really isn't that bad and if the media would just stop talking about terror you know people people would understand that the world isn't that bad pretty sure that the mass murder of 600 prisoners is pretty bad the Associated Press has documented, documented and mapped 72 mass graves, the most comprehensive survey of its type carried out, with many more expected to be uncovered as ISIS territory shrinks. In Syria alone, the AP has obtained 17 locations of mass graves, including one with the bodies of hundreds of members of a single tribe, all but exterminated when ISIS extremists took over their region. For at least 16 of the Iraqi graves, most in territory too dangerous to excavate, officials dare not even guess the number of dead. In others, the estimates are based on the memories of traumatized survivors, ISIS propaganda, and what can be gleaned from a cursory look at the earth. But even the known victims buried are believed to total more than 15,000 people. 15,000 people. people slaughtered, butchered by ISIS. Those are just the ones we know about, and we know there's more than that, most likely, in the areas that it's just too dangerous to go looking for. Aerial photos offer the clearest look yet at massacre sites such as the one at Badush Prison in Mosul, northern Iraq, that left 600 male inmates dead. A patch of scraped earth and tire tracks show the likely killing site, according to pictures obtained by the imagery intelligence firm All Source Analysis. One prisoner, who only survived by playing dead, revealed how ISIS butchers forced hundreds to kneel on the edge of a ravine and started shooting with a machine gun. After the firing stopped, one of the fanatics said, quote, we're going to eat well tonight, unquote. It's unreal. Sinjar Mountain is dotted with mass graves. Some in territory clawed back from ISIS after the group's onslaught against the Yazidi minority in 2014. Others are in the deadly no-man's land that has yet to be secured. You know, and even with Secretary Kerry saying that we should stop talking about terror, stop talking about bad things that are happening in the world, I was kind of surprised that he said that because... I haven't seen much talk about ISIS or terror lately in the news. Have you noticed that? Have you noticed how often we turn our backs on what's happening in the world unless it affects us directly? You know, if there's a terrorist attack here, then suddenly we'll start hearing all about the evil that ISIS is perpetrating around the world. But as long as it doesn't affect us, we don't really seem to care. Not only do we not care, but our Secretary of State wants us to just stop talking about it. You might say, well, it's preposterous to say we don't care. Is it really? Do, do I care? Do you care? Do we care that Christians are being murdered by the hundreds and thousands? I mean, if you care, prove it. James said, I will show you my faith by my works. Not that works would save him, but that you would see his faith because of his works and in his works. Have you done anything at all to help our persecuted brothers and sisters? Have you given to Voice of the Martyrs or any other organization that's working to help these people? Have you prayed for them? Now Churches are the next target, by the way. And churches are an easy target. Don't take my word for it, though. The English government is saying it and telling churches in the UK that they need to be vigilant. This is from the Mirror in the UK. Experts fear that ISIS terrorist knife men will target Western church for their next attack. New counter-terrorism advice is being urgently issued to churches this week over fears an attack on Christian religious institutions is now likely. Counterterror experts fear ISIS extremists arms with knives will target a Western church for their next attack. Christian leaders are being warned to increase security and avoid wearing dog collars in public, not literal dog collars like you know that um a lot of priests wear they have the black and then there's the white, and so you can tell that they're a priest that's what they call that a dog collar. New counterterrorism advice is being urgently issued to to churches across the u k this week. The new measures follow the murder of a priest by two ISIS terrorists in France last month. Amid fears the same could now happen in the UK. Experts warn that a terrorist attack on churches is coming. Places of worship in the UK which are easy targets. That's a quote. Easy targets. This is what the government is telling the churches. You're an easy target for extremists are now being urged to take precautions and beef up security. A draft of the measures being issued and seen by Mirror Online called Counterterrorism Advice for Churches urges religious, leader, urges religious leaders to prepare for incidents and to be on alert for attackers who are likely to be armed with knives. The Christian church is feared to be the Islamic State's new target. Well, I'm not sure that it's really a new target, but quite frankly, I'm, I'm shocked That there haven't been devastating attacks on churches, more churches, in Europe and even here in the United States already. And I pray they don't happen. I pray that God has mercy on us. But if Christians are who is being targeted there, who do you think they're going to target here? I mean, we cannot pretend this isn't happening in our world. We cannot, as the Secretary of State would suggest, just stop talking about it and then everything will be okay. I mean, should we enjoy life? Yes. Should we be incredibly grateful for the great goodness of God to us? Yes. Should we worry about what may or may not happen in the world in the future? No. But we should be educated. We should care. And at the very least, we should pray. And, and that alone, how terrible is that? At the least, we should pray. As if our prayers have less effect somehow than sending $100 to an organization that's helping the people in that area. Now, I I understand prayer in many ways, it, it costs us the least, physically speaking. It's simple and it's free. But when we say that it's the least that we can do, isn't that minimizing the power and the significance of prayer? I mean, when we pray, we are asking God, God, the one who controls everything, the one who holds king's hearts in his hand, the one who causes the sun to shine and rain to fall, God. We are asking God to intervene. And are we of so little faith that we think we could accomplish more good by sending $100 than by asking the one who owns and controls all things to work on behalf of his children? I mean, think about it for a second. That would be as if your dad is the richest man on the planet. He has trillions upon trillions of dollars. They literally can't even count his net worth. He's the greatest philanthropist on the planet. He gives more to charity, rescues the homeless and helpless people. His name is synonymous with giving. He has literally all the best connections. He knows everyone, and oh yeah, he just happens to be the king. And one day, you know, someone asks you if, if you can help, uh, if you can help out. The guy, you know, the next block over, his neighbor just blew up his house and killed his wife and children. And they've started to go fund me for him. And you look in your wallet and you say, well, I've I've got $5. But will that help? You know, if you wait till I get home, I can send $50. Now, I'm not saying that isn't a help. But dude, your dad is the king. Your dad has 50 bazillion dollars. So you know what, if you said, oh, you know what, I really, there's not a whole lot that I can do. But what I can do is ask my dad if he can help. They're not they're not going to look at you and be like, oh, yeah, the least you can do, bro. Thanks for that. No. They're going to be super pumped. They're going to be way more pumped about you going to your dad, the bazillionaire, and asking him to help than about the $5 that you could give to help. But isn't that how we treat God sometimes? We treat prayer like it's second best. We treat asking the King of Kings to intervene as though it's second best to whatever our measly little humanity can come up with to do to help. Do you get it? Do you see it? Don't be afraid to ask God. Don't limit God with your prayers god can do more than you can imagine i mean look outside look what he made don't don't box him up and you know my favorite passage in the bible about prayer is um uh psalm 18 and it's just it's such a treasure have you read it lately i i love psalm 18 so it starts out You know, the famous verse in verse 2, The Lord is my rock, my fortress, my deliverer, my buckler, my high tower. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised, so shall I be saved from my enemies. You probably know a round of that song if you grew up in church, which I won't sing. Um, But then it gets to verse 6. And this is my favorite one. Verse 6 says, In my distress I called upon the Lord and cried unto my God. He heard my voice out of his temple, and my cry came before him even into his ears then then that's the best word potentially in this entire chapter then then the earth shook and trembled the foundations also of the hills moved and were shaken, because he was wroth. There went up a smoke out of his nostrils, and fire out of his mouth devoured. Coals were kindled by it. He bowed the heavens also and came down, and darkness was under his feet. He rode upon a cherub and did fly, yea, he did fly upon the wings of the wind. He made darkness his secret place, his pavilion round about him were, well, were dark waters and thick clouds of the skies. At the brightness that was before him, his thick sky, thick clouds passed, hailstones and coals of fire. The Lord thundered in the heavens, and the highest gave his voice, hailstones and coals of fire. He sent out his arrows and scattered them, and he shot out lightnings and disconfitted them. Then the channels of waters were seen, and the foundations of the world were discovered at thy rebuke, O Lord, at the blast of the breath of thy nostrils. He sent from above. He took me. He drew me out of many waters. He delivered me from my strong enemy and from them which hated me, for they were too strong for me. They prevented me in the day of my calamity, but the Lord was my stay. He brought me forth into a large place and delivered me because he delighted in me. Did you get that? Did you get that? All that stuff that just happened? Go back up to the beginning. In my distress, I called unto the Lord. He heard my voice out of his temple. My cry came into his ears. He's in his temple, he's on his throne, and it's my voice that he hears. When I cry, he hears my cry. And what does he do? What does he do for me? Because I called out to him. This is so awesome. Like, go through the whole thing, pull out Psalm 18 and read it. He bows the heavens. He grabs a cherub. He literally flies to my rescue. And comes in. He swoops in. He saves me. And with verse 19. He delivered me because he delighted in me. But there are 12 verses smashed in between there. From where your cry gets into God's ears in his temple. To where he delivers you about all the stuff. All this stuff is happening because God is on his way to answer your cry. That is so, so cool. And he delivers you because he delights in you. God delights in you. Do you delight in him? Unless I start preaching and because we have to go to a break, let me uh, let me finish this segment by simply reading the remainder of the chapter here. There's just a few verses left. Uh, He he delivered me because he delighted in me. The Lord rewarded me according to my righteousness, according to the cleanness of my hands, hath he recompensed me. For I have kept the ways of the Lord, and have not wickedly departed from my God. For all his judgments were before me, and I did not put away his statutes from me. I was also upright before him, and I kept myself from iniquity. Therefore the Lord has recompensed me according to my righteousness, according to the cleanness of my hands, in his eyesight." With the merciful, thou wilt show thyself merciful. With an upright man, thou wilt show thyself upright. With the pure, thou wilt show thyself pure. And with the forward, thou wilt show thyself forward. For thou wilt save the afflicted people, but will bring down high looks. Thou wilt light my candle. The Lord my God will lighten my darkness. For by thee have I run through a troop, and by my God have I leaped over a wall. As for God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord is tried. He is a buckler to all those that trust in him. For who is God, save the Lord, or who is a rock, save our God? It is God that girdeth me with strength and maketh my way perfect. He maketh my feet like hind's feet and sets me upon high places. He teaches my hands to war so that a bow of steel is broken by my arms. Thou hast also given me the shield of thy salvation, and thy right hand has holden me up, and thy gentleness has made me great. Thou hast enlarged my steps under me that my feet did not slip. I have pursued my enemies and overtaken them. Neither did I turn again until they were consumed. I have wounded them that they were not able to rise. They are fallen under my feet. For thou hast girded me with strength under the battle. Thou hast subdued under me those that rose up against me. Thou hast given me the necks of my enemies, that I might destroy them that hate me. They cried, but there was none to save them, even to the Lord. But he answered them not. Then did I beat them small as the dust before the wind. I did cast them out as the dirt in the streets. Thou hast delivered me from the strivings of the people, and thou hast made me the head of the heathen. A people whom I have not known shall serve me. As soon as they hear me, they shall obey me. The strangers shall submit themselves unto me. They will fade away and be afraid. The Lord liveth, and blessed be my rock, and let the God of my salvation be exalted. It is God that avenges me and subdues the people under me. He delivered me from my enemies, he lifted me up against those that rise against me. He has delivered me from the violent man." Therefore, therefore, because of all this, will I give thanks unto thee, O Lord, among the heathen, and sing praises unto your name. Great deliverance he has given his king, and shows mercy to his anointed, to David, and to his seed forevermore. That's Psalm 18, one of my favorite chapters in the Bible. And this is, Who Am I by Casting Crowns? Well, hello there. Welcome back. I didn't see you guys come in. It's because you're you're not actually here. Just me. Let me check. Yep, still just me. That was a uh, Lamplighter Theater promo. We play Lamplighter Theater here on KBXL at noon on Saturdays as part of our kids program lineup also happens to be my favorite program of the entire week. Now, I have a lot of favorites, okay? I, I I was going to get into talking about how I once upon a time made a slide. Well, I had to do a slide presentation for uh, one of my previous jobs and uh let's just say we didn't really need to have a staff meeting this wasn't, I want to make clear, this was not something happening at my current job. This was a previous job. I wasn't living in Las Vegas, but we uh, one of my coworkers had convinced my then boss that if we would just have staff meetings more regularly that we would be more productive and communication would be better. That wasn't actually the problem. We had we had sufficient staff meetings it was the fact that there was one person in particular that just refused to communicate that needed to be dealt with but my boss agreed and so we had more staff meetings rather than simply dealing with the issue as it was we had more staff meetings and uh, so I was um, I was put in charge of one of the said staff meetings and uh, because I, I, I was not I was not thinking that these were necessarily our best use of time, <laughs> I decided that we were at least going to have fun with it, so I created possibly the most elaborate slideshow known to man. Um, uh, no, not slideshow, PowerPoint. With videos and graphs and charts and pictures and music and sound effects. Everything that you could ever want to know... We didn't, I'll be honest with you, we didn't do a whole lot in that office. I mean, there were some very specific things that we did. It wasn't a hard job. And uh, so, but I, I was like, you know what? I don't think that these are necessary, but if this is what is required of me, then I'm going to, this is going to be the best staff meeting in the history of the world, staff meetings. So, rather than simply reporting on the state of our office supplies... I made graphs and charts showing the number of of staples that we have versus the number of uh, paper clips that we had, and the percentage of use of each, and which we were more likely to need soon in the future. And I made I made graphs showing what people called about, what they emailed about. It was cool. It was cool. Okay. And in this epic. PowerPoint I included a slide about my favorite snacks because our snack cupboard was empty and every once in a while my boss would bring in snacks and I just you know I uh, I was in charge of the state of the office presentation that week so I was going to to make sure that we knew that the snack cupboard was empty and give suggestions based on I had a pie graph showing my favorite (laughs) showing my favorite snacks as well as a um uh, whatever are those graphs called that have the little towers? I had graphs and charts, people. My point being that I have a lot of favorite things. And I had a lot of favorite snacks. And I rated them on a scale of 1 to 10. And I had multiple 10s. And they're like, you can't have more than one favorite. And I said, yes, I can. Who made the rule about favorites? This is my PowerPoint and my staff meeting, I can have as many favorites <laughs> as I want. That said, the same is true of our radio station. I have many favorites on our radio station, but one of them is Lamplighter Theater, which airs at noon on Saturdays during our kids' program. Another one is, uh, is Wall Builders, which we air every Monday through Friday at 1, p- 1 o'clock, I believe, p.m., uh, with David Barton and Rick Green from Texas. Fantastic program where, uh, what is their tagline? It's where faith and politics collide. I think is their tagline. Also, of course, uh, we have Dr. David Tice. He comes on right after uh, this show in the mornings at uh, 8 a.m. Pacific time here on KVXL101.com. But okay, enough about my favorites for now. No, no, you know what? One more favorite thing, Tim Tebow. He's also one of my one of my favorites. He's one of my favorite people. Actually, I once wrote an article. Um, that was shared a lot yesterday because Tim Tebow was trending. But I wrote a whole article listing out seven reasons why Tim Tebow should marry me. They are still relevant. They are still relevant. You can look it up. Just look up Tim Tebow, Crystal Heath, or I, th- I post. It was um, it was when I was working for Steven Crowder, so it's over on Louder with Crowder. So you can search Steven Crowder, Tim Tebow. You will find it, or you can just go to my f- Twitter. That's probably the easiest way because I reshared it yesterday uh, while Tim Tebow was trending. Just in case, you know, it might might go somewhere. You never know. You don't know. Don't judge me. But anyway, Tim Tebow's uh, MLB workout, Major League Baseball workout, was yesterday. He earned mixed scouting reviews, but word on the street is there are at least a handful of teams that are actually interested in signing him. And I say, actually, that's for your benefit. Doesn't shock me at all because, you know, I think he's pretty great. From USA Today, Tim Tebow put on an impressive power display for a throng of Major League Scouts on Tuesday, but struggled against live pitching and received mixed reviews for his physical tools in a two-hour workout. More than 12 years after Tebow last played baseball in high school, the former Heisman Trophy winner hit eight balls over the fence, including shots that cleared a scoreboard and reached the trees in right field. The lefty also hit an opposite field drive that cleared the left field wall. Tebow, 29, looked less impressive during live batting practice against former major league relievers Chad Smith and David Ardsma. Smith's fastball topped out at 92 miles an hour, and Tebow put four of Smith's first 20 pitches in play, cracking a line drive to center field that would have been the only sure hit in the bunch. He also lined two balls to shortstop and grounded to second base and displaying decent bat speed. I thought he was okay, better than I expected, to be honest, said one major league scout who spoke to USA Today Sports on condition of anonymity because he was not authorized to speak publicly about his assessment. For not having played as long as he had, I thought he did all right. That's a big dude for as fast as he can run, and the power was impressive. I just wish it could have translated maybe into a little better uh, batting against the live pitching. Uh, Tebow opened many eyes during practice, his display taking back several of the estimated 40 scouts in attendance. That was big power, one scout said. He was mishitting the ball out of the park. Um. Tebow caught every catchable ball when playing in the outfield, chasing down balls in and out of play without incident. A third scout was slightly more bullish watching him play, grading him a 50 defender. Uh, 50 is considered average, by the way, this scout on a scale of 20 to 80. He said he was a playable, serviceable defender. Tebow's workout came before at least 50 members of the media. 50 members of the media showed up for this thing. That's pretty amazing. I still think he gets signed to a, to at least a, a minor league gig. He already received some sort of offer from a Van- Venezuelan, uh, I think, winter league maybe. I doubt he'll take that, though, knowing Tebow. I mean, if he's not going to change positions to stay in the NFL, I don't think he's going to Venezuela to play uh, baseball. Don't see it. Don't see that happening at all. Today's programming is brought to you by Krispy Kreme Donuts Fundraising Opportunities. Krispy Kreme fundraisers are available year-round. They can take place over one to two days or one to two weeks. If your educational, religious, community, or charitable cause is looking for a fun way to meet your financial goals, Krispy Kreme can help. Krispy Kreme provides free fundraising materials for your use, and you can visit KrispyKreme.com slash fundraising or your local Krispy Kreme to learn more. Our thanks to Krispy Kreme for their support of KVXL programming. All right, keeping it in the sports world... Colin Kaepernick, we talked extensively about him yesterday and uh, thoughts on him uh, choosing to disrespect the flag as his method of, of protest. If you missed that show, it's up on iTunes and SoundCloud. Just search The Frittle Show. You're there. Or again, remember, if you go find me on Twitter, at The Friddle, there's links. Links in the bio. You can just click, boom, done. Uh, but this is from uh, Fox News. Kaepernick's birth mom is speaking out. She says that he is a shame that he is shaming his country and his family. Colin Kaepernick's birth mom harshly criticized her NFL quarterback son's national anthem protest, saying on Twitter that he disrespected and brought shame to his country and his family. Heidi Russo said she she tweeted to Kaepernick and said, "There's ways to make change without disrespecting and bringing shame to the very country and family who afforded you so many blessings." She continued, with a second tweet, The path less traveled doesn't need to be one of destruction. Hashtag been there, hashtag be smarter, hashtag be respectful. Heidi took some heat from other Twitter users for the comments, some of them criticizing her decision to put Kaepernick up for adoption after he was born while she was still 19. She responded by saying she gave him the life he deserved. Uh, and this is just despicable, people uh, going attacking this woman for putting her son up for adoption, and she responded to one of them with a tweet that said, Placing my son for adoption is not giving up. It's giving him the life he deserved and love beyond comprehension. And she's right. My dad was adopted. And I, 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 I can't imagine otherwise... I mean, he he was adopted by a loving pastor's family. What a great heritage. That wasn't something that was a detriment to him. That was something that was a blessing to him and that changed the trajectory of our entire family. And Heidi Russo is great. You know, adoption is is a great option in many cases and it's a life changing decision if you, if if a if a person is is having to choose between adoption or abortion that that's not even it shouldn't be a choice one is an offer of, of life and hope and the other is death i mean there's just no other way to, to put that and Heidi Russo chose life for her son. She couldn't raise him. So she gave him as a blessing to another family. And I don't think it's appropriate. You may disagree with wh- her thoughts on how her son is, is protesting the flag. But to go after her, because she chose life for her son, even if that life wasn't being adopted. That's not appropriate. And really, if you've accepted Christ, you're adopted too. We're all, uh, that of us that have accepted Christ, we're adopted into God's family. Adoption is the greatest demonstration of love that we have demonstrated to us. (coughs) Anyway, Colin Kaepernick has not responded (coughs) Excuse me, to his birth mother's tweet. And I really don't think that he will. Alas, it is the sad tale that I must now tell you, for we are out of time. However, take heart, fellow travelers on life's journey. You can listen to other shows if you can't wait for tomorrow. You can listen to other shows on iTunes and SoundCloud. Just search for The Frittle Show. You can even subscribe on iTunes, and then the shows will come to you. You don't even have to do any extra work. They will just automatically go to your phone or your tablet, whatever device you happen to have, and you can listen whenever you want. Isn't technology fantastic sometimes? Yes. Yes, it is. So you can do that. You can check us out on SoundCloud or iTunes at The Frittle Show. We're also streaming online 24 hours a day, 7 days of the week, 365 days a year, except if the lightning takes away our stream. But right now, we are streaming. KVXL101.com Our thanks to the 405 Media for letting us air over there as well. Hope you all have a fantastic day. We are going to go out, let's see. Let's go with Piano Guys. We're going to do Story of My Life from the Piano Guys. We'll see you back here tomorrow. Have a fantastic day.